The following is a presentation of Genesis. Genesis is a place where you are invited to begin, belong, and believe. To find out more, visit us on the web at genesisthejourney.com. Um, we're in, in a series called DNA, and this is our fourth or fifth night, uh, Sunday evening in this series. And uh, we kicked off this series by just asking a pretty fundamental question of what does it mean to be human? What does it mean ultimately to be human? And we looked at some scripture in Genesis chapter 1 that just says uh, that God has created us male and female in his image. And um, one of the things that I will come back to very often is that uh, we, because we know that we have a creator, we know our origins, we know where we come from, and we know what we uh, have been, because we know where we come from, ultimately we know where we are going uh, because we know we have a creator. And very specifically, the creator has said, I've created you, I've fashioned, formed you in my image. So ultimately, what it means to be human is that we are imago Dei, that we have been created in the image of God. And um, uh, we talked about a few weeks ago about sin and how sin has corrupted uh, the image of God within us. But because of Jesus, he is restoring the image of God within us. But we have to be in relationship with Jesus. We can't just study Jesus, think about Jesus. We have to make a decision to enter into a relationship with him. And when we do, the image of God is being renewed and it's being restored um, so that we can live the lives that God has purposed us and designed us uh, to live. Last week, um, we talked about the mind and what a great gift that God has given each of you uh, in a mind. And uh, it was mind-blowing to me uh, to do some study on this, but um, 50,000 thoughts a day is what the average human thinks. And so last week I just posed a, a simple question, but how might you take all 50,000 of your thoughts and guide them or direct them towards God? What might it look like to take all of your mind, all of those thoughts that you have, and direct them towards God, that every thought would be a loving thought towards Him, because if they're a loving thought towards Him, it will be a loving thought towards humanity. And ultimately, a loving thought towards yourself. Tonight, um, uh, this is a big one because uh, we're going to talk about uh, something that is core to each and every individual here. It's core to humanity because we're going to talk about uh, the heart. Um, it's interesting when people talk about uh, the heart. Uh, I don't know if you found this odd, but I find it odd that pe the way people describe their heart, and not medically speaking, obviously there's a physicality to our heart that it's pumping blood and uh, we know that there's life in the blood and that if your heart ceases to work, so do you. You die. So if your heart physically is not functioning, uh, neither will you. Uh, but tonight what we're talking about is um, the, the metaphor of the heart. We often say, what do, mean, what do people mean when, we, when they say, my heart, it's broken, it's shattered, it's in pieces, it's wounded, or my heart hurts, it's lonely, no one values my heart. My heart is confused, it's not knowing what to do, it's lost. My heart is tired, it's weary, it's stressed, it's anxious. My heart is indifferent, I can't feel it anymore. My heart has grown cold. We say things like, That's, that person's heart, it's good, it's forgiving, it's kind, it's compassionate. Or we say, that person's heart is deceitful or cruel or callous, evil or wicked, or they have a hard heart. We say things like, the heart is it's filled with something, it's filled with 
fear or worry or anxiety, shame, guilt, sorrow, grief, pain, anger, bitterness, greed, and jealousy. Or we might say our, that person's heart, it's filled with love or joy or peace. We preach messages uh, or you hear messages preached that say something like, you need to guard and protect your heart. You need to invest in your heart. You need to do everything with all of your heart, right? The great commandment, what, if I'm going to give my life to something, what should it be? And Jesus says, love God with all of your heart, not just a compartment of your heart, not just some of your heart, but love God with all of your heart. We preach messages that say, search and change your heart. We ask questions to each other like, how's your heart? Hey, can we have a, a heart-to-heart conversation? Or we get frustrated with people and are like, dude, don't you even have a heart? Where is your heart? It's apparently, uh, the heart is a very complex thing, but what we're talking about, what are we talking about when we say these things? We talk about the heart all of the time, but I don't think we're really referring to the 10-ounce organ that is lodged in your chest that's pumping blood. So when we talk about the heart, when you think about the heart, what are you actually even thinking about? If someone to ask you to describe these things, what are you talking about? When you say your heart's broken or shattered or hurt, right? Well, tonight I want to, as best as I can, uh, communicate to you what exactly is uh, the heart. And uh, cardia uh, is uh, the word, uh, at least in the Greek, uh, that talks about the heart really is the epicenter of your life. It's the core of who you are. So when people use these different descriptors or adjectives to talk about their heart or other people's hearts. They're talking about a person's essence. They're talking about the core of who that individual is. uh, Another way to think about it, it's the center of our emotions, will, personality, spirituality. Cardia is the source of attitudes and actions. It's our inner life. It's your inner self. And it's the place which God says, I reveal myself to their hearts. It's the dwelling place for things like faith, hope, and love. And ultimately, we use language like, I've invited Jesus to come into my heart. Are we really talking about he's living in my 10-ounce organ? No. We're talking about we've invited the Savior, Savior King that we just sung about, to come and take residence in the core of who I am, in my essence that Jesus would take up residence in, these, in, the per, in, in my personhood. Book of Proverbs uh, has a lot to say about the heart. It's a great book uh, that is uh, prolific about its thoughts and challenges and exhortations when it comes to the heart. This one's a great one, 2719. As water reflects a face, so a man's heart reflects the man. As a water reflects a face, so a man's heart reflects the man. Your heart ultimately will reflect to humanity, to people around you, will reflect to this community who you are. So because your heart, the core of who you are, ultimately reflects you, let me ask you this question. It's your essence. It's your core of your being. Do you care about your heart? Obviously, if we get like a physical Abnormal, you know what I'm going to try and say there. Abnormal, someone help me. 
why can everyone else say it, but I can't? Um, if your heart's jacked up, I'll just use my language. You'll take care of it. Whatever the problem might be, you will address that heart condition. But the core of who you are, do you care about the core? Do you care about your inner self? Do you care about the essence of what makes you you? Emotions and will, attitudes and actions, ultimately, do you care? Proverbs again says it like this, my son, pay attention, this is chapter 4, verse 20 through 23, pay attention to what I say, listen closely to my words, do not let them out of your sight, keep them within your heart, for they are your life, to those who find them, health to a man's whole body, above all else, listen to this charge, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of of life. So the condition of your heart matters, not just physically. Obviously, it matters physically. But metaphorically speaking, the condition of your heart matters. Do you care about the condition of your heart? Now, before you answer like really quickly to say, yeah, absolutely. How could I not care? It's me. It's my core. It's my essence. Think about the things that we allow into our essence, our core, our being. When the scripture talks about guard your heart, it's the wellspring of who you are. It's the wellspring of your life. Think about the things that you allow into who you are. My kids, I really love my kids. Because I value them and care about them, I would not just let any stranger off the street watch my kids why? Because I love them and I'm going to protect them. I will guard them. My marriage. I really like my marriage. I really love my wife. I love the idea that we are one together. And I will fight like crazy to protect the oneness of my marriage. So I don't sleep with other women. I don't go on dates with other women. I'm not trying to develop relationships with other women. Why? Because I value my wife and my marriage. And those things would interfere, would get in the way, ultimately would destroy my marriage. This community, I love this community. I care about you, all of you. And so when there's things like division that come up, I'm going to fight like crazy to protect this community, to make sure this will not be a divided community. Why? Because I care about this community. My relationship with God. I care about my relationship with God. It's important to me. I value it. And so when I've got sin in my life, by God's grace, I do the best I can to repent of any junk in my life that would get in the way of me walking with God. What we value, what we care about, we fight like crazy to protect it, don't we? So tonight, how would you answer, how would you be able to answer the question, do you care about your heart? Well, I want you to um, think of one word. One word that would describe the condition of your heart as you sit here tonight. Not what you'd like it to be, not what you hope it will be one day, but as you sit in this place tonight, what is the condition of your heart? Just one word. Don't put a sentence together. Don't. Just one word. I know that's even more difficult. What would one word be to describe the condition 
the shape, the core of who you are, your inner self. Think about that for a second. Jot it down, write it down. At least etch it in your mind. Would any of your descriptor words go back to some of the words we've already talked about? Stressed, anxious, fearful, guilt-ridden, shame, lonely, lost, cold, hard, bitter, angry. If any of those words describe the condition of your heart, you have not guarded your heart well. If there is any of those things, we've allowed those things to come into our essence, our core, who we are. They've seeped in somehow, some way, somewhere. If we care about our essence, our core, our heart, we will fight against, we will protect, we will guard from what we let come in. I wonder tonight if any of you use the word to describe your descriptor. Don't raise your hands, but did anyone think of the word pure? When you think about your heart, did anyone think pure? That's my one descriptor word would be pure. A pure heart is one that is not contaminated with the junk of worry, anxiety, fear, shame, guilt, bitterness, anger. The list could go on. Pure means it's completely clean, free, free, free from any pollutants. Would anyone think to say, my heart is pure? My aim tonight is hopefully pretty simple. It's this, is to compel you to begin, whether it's for the first time or anew, to start fighting like crazy to guard your heart to protect your heart. I have spent a better part of my life, I'm 36 years old now. I know, it's shocking, I look 24, it's cool. Um, <laughs> I've spent a better part of my 36 years of living, giving my heart to a lot of different people, places, and things. And there are a lot of times where I just didn't care. Another way of saying that is I prostituted my heart many times, very often. I gave myself, my being, my core to other things, other people. And in many ways, I've paid consequences because I was reckless with not protecting, not fighting, not guarding my heart. So for me, it looked like this. In my heart, if anger and bitterness... If they wanted to have a home, they were welcome. If lust wanted to sleep over, she was welcome. If jealousy wanted to stop in, I had no problem with that. If anxiety, worry, and fear wanted to camp out in my heart, not a problem. If shame and guilt wanted to hang out, they were welcome. If unforgiveness showed up, she moved right in. If insecurity wanted to meander, I had no issue with that. If someone or something appeared interesting, attractive, or beneficial... I would entertain each of them in my core, in my essence, in my heart. And I wonder if you can relate with any of those things. And I imagine you can. I imagine many of us have given away parts of ourselves, 
our essence, our core, our heart to things that we should not have given our hearts to. The point, for me at least, was I didn't really care much about my heart and I didn't think about it in those terms. But in all reality, I was allowing anything and everything into the core of who I am in hopes that I'd find what I really wanted most. I wanted to be filled. If you've ever experienced a heart that just feels empty, well, you'll try and fill it with anything, even with really weird stuff like anger. Why would we ever think anger could ever fill our heart? Well, because nothing else is, so let me try that. Relationships with different people. I mean, the list would go on and on and on of things that we try to fill our heart with. But ultimately, uh, for me, it wasn't until I met God. It wasn't until I met God in the person of Jesus Christ where my heart is completely filled. It's overflowing, actually. There's a great biblical principle in Galatians chapter 6. It says this, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. So if you are sowing seeds of anger, an angry person you'll be. If you sow seeds of lust, a lustful person you will be. If you sow seeds of anxiety, worry, stress, you will be a stressed out, anxious, worried about everything type of person. Why? We reap what we sow. So what you are allowing to come into your heart, into your essence, it's going to show up in your life. What's happening on your inner self, your interior it will show up in your exterior. So if you're seeing a harvest of stuff, you're like, where is that coming from? Well, you allowed it in. It's that simple. Stop planting seeds within your heart that are contaminated or polluted and ultimately destructive to the core of who you are. Because when we allow pollutants to come into our essence, our being, our core, our heart. It's destructive to your humanity. It's destructive to what it means to be human. And what it means to be human is a mago day, an image bearer of God. And when we don't guard these things in our life, in our heart, we're destroying the very one in whose image we have been made and fashioned and formed. About 10 years ago, I went to a conference, uh, took a group of kids down to a place called Jekyll Island. And uh, when you go to conferences as a youth pastor with kids, you don't really get to enjoy much of the conference because you're half the time trying to fight, fight the guys to make sure they're not trying to pick up girls. And you're trying to protect the girls that you brought to make sure they're avoiding guys who are trying to do what the guys, you know the story. And so you don't really miss the talks because half the time you're trying to round up and find people. But there was one moment in time, this was back in 1998, and I still remember it. The guy who was given uh, the talk, his name was Jim Thomas. He asked a question, and it was a question that really floored me. And the question was this. I wasn't paying attention to anything he said, but when he asked this question, I stopped. The question was this. Do you want to see God? And I turned my head, and I was like, uh, yeah. Is he here? My first thought was, yeah, do you want to see God? And my first, I, without hesitation, without reservation, I was like, yes, I want to see God. My, how I answered that 10 years ago, 11 years ago, it has not changed. I want to see God in my life. 
every single day, every single moment, every single conversation, every situation, I want to see God. I want to see God move and act in my marriage. I want to see God move and act in my relationship with my kids. I want to see God move and act in my relationships that I have with people. I want to see God in this place, in this community. Everywhere I go, I, I want to see God. How about you? How would you answer the question, do you really want to see God? Do you really want to see God in your life? Not just part of your life, not just some of your life, but all of you, who you are, do you, do you want to see God? Not just sometimes, not when it benefits you or when it works out in your schedule. But is there anything in the core of who you are that is screaming and says, I want to see God in my life? A couple um, weeks ago, I think I mentioned this last week for Kyla's birthday, uh, I got tickets to go see Cirque du Soleil. Wicked cool show. And um, when I was buying tickets online, um, uh, the tickets are crazy expensive, so maybe don't go. Um, but I had an option, or I had a choice. And my choice was, if you'd like cheaper tickets, uh, then you can buy the tickets that have obstructed view. And I was like, and I thought about it for a minute. Sorry, Kyle, I was thinking about buying obstructed view tickets. But I was thinking about, huh, I'm going to save potentially maybe about 100 bucks um, in these tickets if I get the ones that have an obstructed view. And, and then I kind of pictured in my mind's eye what it would be like taking my wife out for her birthday, which only happens once a year, sitting in front of a big pole, <laughs> thinking, isn't this a great show? And her being like, what show? I can't see anything. So I upped the ante, and I just said, well, I'll get the best tickets I possibly can. And they were the ones right above the obstructed view. <laughs> but I share that with you because... I wonder how many of us have a very obstructed view of God because we're not willing to pay a greater price to have a crystal picture of who God is. How many of us just see him partially? I think he's over there. I think I caught a glimpse. How many of us struggle to actually see God from beyond the obstructed view seats? I don't want to have an obstructed view of God. Why would I? Why would you? And if there is a cost that is greater to be paid, that I might see God in his fullness, not just part of him, not the obstructed seat view, I'm willing to pay that cost. How about you? If there is a greater cost to be paid, would you be willing to pay it? Would you be willing to pay that? Jesus, um, the, the verse that I uh, uh, want to land on tonight is a verse that uh, Jesus talked about, taught, spoke to, and something that has come to, been, uh, come to be known as the B attitudes. And Jesus is teaching here humanity uh, how to have an unobstructed view of God. Now, the people that Jesus is speaking here that he's, his audience has a very messed up view of who God is and how they can relate, have a relationship, a connection with God. Primarily because the religious elite of the day was leading them astray, sending them very confusing messages of how they would have a view, a relationship 
with God. And so these be attitudes, um, Jesus begins each of them saying by, by saying, blessed are you. And then he says eight times, he gives eight different attitudes that we are to be. So the Beatitudes, these are things that we should be and are becoming. And what I love about the Beatitudes is attitude is everything. It really is. Attitudes are vital because attitudes determine our actions. Our actions reveal our heart, and our heart displays the person. Your attitudes are tied in with your actions, and your actions reveal your heart. Each begins with a promise of blessing, meaning congratulations to you or fortunate are you if you do these things. And then each beatitude is coupled with a challenge, or it's coupled, a challenge is coupled with a promise. And the one thing I want you to catch, we're only looking at one of them. The one thing I want you to see is the promise is always greater than the challenge. And some of these are incredibly challenging, but the promise always outweighs what the challenge might be. So Matthew 5.8 says this, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Fortunate are you. Congratulations to you if you have a pure heart. That's the challenge, to have a pure heart. The reward, the promise, the benefit, you're going to see God. Not just some of him, you will have an unobstructed view of the creator of the universe in your life, both now but for eternity. Blessed are you. Fortunate are you. Happy are you. Congratulated are you if you have a pure heart. Well, what does it mean to have a pure heart? It seems like an obvious question is, if seeing God requires that my heart, my core, my essence, my being is pure, What does it mean to have a pure heart? And before I tell you what a pure heart is, I wanted to tell you what it's not. Matthew chapter 23, these guys, these were the religious geniuses of the day, and they got it wrong. And because they got it wrong, they did not see God. Matthew 23, for people who think like Jesus was this pansy-wansy pushover, like couldn't say the hard things, Matthew 23 is your section. Woe to you, teachers of the law, Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. The same word that's used in pure of heart, Matthew 5, 8, is the same Greek word that's talking about clean. So these guys are trying to clean the outside, but Jesus is going to call them out on what's really happening in their heart, their inner core. But inside they are full of greed, self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, first clean the inside. Be pure from the inside, inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law, Pharisees, you hypocrites. Just in case we throw around kind of the hypocrite word a lot, it just means play actor. They're playing a part. So back in the day when actors would be on stage, they would be called hypocrites. They were playing a part, and that's what Jesus is telling these guys You're playing a part. You're a hypocrite. You're play acting. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead man's bones, everything unclean, meaning impure. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. 
I can't imagine looking another person in the eye and saying, you're a whitewashed tomb. You're dead. You look great. You look beautiful. You look righteous. You, you've got it going on. It seems, it appears, you know God. You even hear, appear to have a certain type of righteousness. And Jesus looks that guy in the face and says, you're a dead man. Because God, Jesus, can look within our inner core, our being, our inner self of who we really are. And Jesus says, you're just playing a part. Stop trying to clean the outside of your life and start focusing on your inner core, your heart of who you are. Another example of this is in John chapter 13. His name's Judas. And Jesus answered. He's uh, celebrating communion with his disciples the night before, uh, that, or the night he's going to be uh, uh, betrayed and ultimately go to the cross. Jesus answered, A person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. This is what he's saying to Peter. And then he says this, And you are clean. Peter, you're pure. And then he looks to the other gentleman in the room, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said, not everyone was clean. Not everyone was pure. You see, there was a guy named Judas, and Judas had allowed, he didn't guard his heart, and he allowed the pollutants and contamination to come into his heart, and it rotted him so much so that he betrayed Jesus handed him over to the authorities to be killed, to be crucified. Why? He didn't guard his heart. The pollutants of greed and just selfishness rotted his heart, his inner being. So what does it mean to be pure? Not like the Pharisees, wicked on the inside. You can have, a lot of us know how to play the part, right? I spent a better part of my life trying to play the part be the church guy, the Christian. But inside, my heart was just full of junk. And it showed up. It showed up in who I was becoming. There was a point in time where I was the angry, bitter guy. That was me. Guy just riddled with lust, and it played itself out in the relationships that I was having. I know what it's like to be impure. So what might it look like to be pure of heart? Because the promise is that we will be people who would see God. It's a great uh, price to be paid. Meaning, if you don't go for the pure heart, the price that will be paid is that you will not see God. I don't, you have to make up your own mind. I can't do that. I've made up my mind. I want to see God as much as I possibly can, as much as he would reveal himself to me. I want to see God. I mentioned earlier the promise, the reward. It's always greater than the challenge. A pure heart, one that is not contaminated or polluted. Actually, just pure by the way, means whole or complete, um, free of dirt. That's how they would think about it. It was a person's heart, life, was just literally free of dirt or free of sin. All of the evil, wickedness, selfishness, self-centeredness, all of the things 
that we are free from those things. A pure heart is one that will see God. I've asked this a bunch of times, but I'm going to keep hammering it home. Do you want to see God in your life? Don't be quick to say yes, because there's a cost to be paid. And the cost is that you're going to fight like crazy to guard your heart and to make it pure. Do you really want to see God in your life? If seeing God both now and for throughout eternity requires purity of heart, then I'm just going to finish with hopefully something that will be helpful in answering the question, how do I get a pure heart? How do I embrace, receive a pure heart? Well, one of the things that you need to do is you need to make the decision. If you're going to guard your heart, you have to receive something that God has to give to you. Before you can guard something, you need to receive something. Before I could guard the oneness of my marriage, I had to receive Kyla as my wife. Before I could guard my relationship with God, I had to receive and enter into a relationship with God. So you must receive first from God what he longs to give you, and it's a gift of a new heart, a new core, a new essence, a new being of who you are. One of my favorite verses in the Old Testament is uh, an amazing promise that God gives to a people who are known as hard-hearted individuals, a.k.a. the nation of Israel. They were known for just being stiff-necked, hard-hearted people. And God had something better in store for that community because he wanted people around that community to know that he was great and he was a good and gracious God, a God who was forgiving. And so he says in Ezekiel chapter 36, I love this verse, write it down. Starting at verse 25, it says this, I will sprinkle clean water on you, pure, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all of your impurities and from all of your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. God's promise is that to those who would receive, he is more bent on giving you what we need most, what we desire most, is a new heart. I can't try and fix myself. I tried. It didn't work. Before I can guard something, I have to receive something. And the gift that God has for every single person in this room is the gift of a new inner self, a new core, a new person, a new heart. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, a new heart, a pure heart, so that you can see him question is, will you receive it? Will you allow God to do for you, for me, what we cannot do for ourselves? Give us a heart that actually would love God and trust God, that would love people, would love humanity, would love your neighbors. Would you allow God to plant within you a new core, a new heart? Well, if you receive a new heart, that's for everyone. This is not, that invitation is for every single person who would receive it. Would you receive it? A new heart. That's what God wants to give each of us. Well, if you do receive it, some of you have received it. 
Now that really comes when we make the decision to say, my life is not in my hands anymore. I'm trusting my life in you, God. I'm going to follow you. I'm trusting the person of Jesus, that Jesus is my God. I'm not God anymore in my life. I'm not center in my life. When we make that decision to trust God, to trust Jesus, a new heart is what we receive. My challenge, if you have received this heart, and tonight might be the night you decide to receive this heart, the challenge is this. Don't trash your heart. Don't trash out your heart. Do not allow the pollutants and contaminants to come in. Do not allow the things the impurities to seep within your inner self. Why? It will show up. One of my favorite um, sad stories, but favorite stories nonetheless, is King David. He trashed his heart. He allowed laziness into his heart. Lust, adultery, lies, pride, hate into his heart. And it showed up. He lusted after another man's wife because he was king. He commanded the wife to come to him. He slept with her, impregnated her. The husband found out, or the, the, uh, when she became pregnant, obviously everyone found out, and he wanted to play it off as it wasn't his own. So he brings the husband home from battle where he should have been, gets him drunk, tries to get him to sleep with his wife so it will all be forgotten plan totally backfires because he was a man of honor and integrity. So he tries to lie and deceive, manipulate, and ultimately he has that man killed. This is King David who is described as a man who is after God's own heart. He didn't guard his heart. He trashed out his heart. David is largely responsible for writing a lot of the Psalms that deal with the inner self, your core, your essence. And one of the psalms that he wrote in reflection of his heart that had been trashed. He says this, Psalm 51, chapter or verse 10 through 12. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. One of the things that was new to me this week I've read that so many times. But one of the words that caught my eye for the first time is this word create. David had realized he trashed out his heart. He could not restore his heart on his own. He could not redeem what he had given away, what he had polluted, contaminated his heart with. And so he comes to the only one who can take a heart that was given by God and a heart that was not protected, guarded, ultimately trashed out. And he brought his heart back to God. And he said, please create. Do something in my heart that I cannot do on my own. Creator God, would you create now within me a new heart once again? And God said, absolutely. That was David's prayer. Would you create in me? I took what you created in me from the, from the beginning and I trashed it out. I bring back my heart that has been given over, prostituted, adulterated to so many different things. Will you take this wounded, broken, messed up heart and will you please create something beautiful? 
Would you create a heart that would love you and trust you? A heart that would say, I want to be pure. Why? So I can see you. David, it's just riddled throughout the Psalms of a guy who was desperate to see God. And he got it. A man after God's own heart is another way of saying a man who has a pure heart because God is pure. And David saw God. He connected with God. Such a picture. My heart, my core, my inner being, my inner self, I've corrupted it. I've polluted it. I've contaminated it. Would you now, God, create in me what I cannot create within myself? I realize that no one ever sets out in life, I hope you don't, to say, I'm going to just try and pollute my inner self as much as I can. I'm going to try and contaminate myself this day just to see how it goes, just for kicks. I know we don't make this conscious decision to say, yeah, I'm all about polluting my heart. I love it. I can't get enough of it. That's not really the problem. We don't make that decision. Ultimately, what the problem is, is our understanding of purity is so low. The standard that we have set for what is pure is not pure. We allow anything and everything to come in. The whole idea of protecting and guarding your heart is that you would literally live life and say, God, this thought, this idea, this person, this relationship, this thing that I'm, allow, uh, that I'm about to invite to come into me, whatever it might be, anxiety, worry, shame, guilt, is that, is that a good idea? Because I guarantee if you just ask God in, in one question, God, should I let lust come into my heart right now? I, I don't think God would be like, well, let me think about that one. That's a good question. I hadn't thought about that. God would say, no, lust will rot your heart. I don't, if we go to God with a question, God, I'm really, I'm struggling with worry and anxiety. What do you think about that? Should I allow worry and anxiety to take residence in my inner core? God would say no. Why? Because you trust him. Cast all anxiety, fear, and worry on him. Why? Because he cares about you. He wants your heart pure. Why does he want your heart pure? So you'd see him. God is more desperate for you to see him than we are to see him. That's why he gives us a new heart. And when we trash it, he will create a new heart within us so that we would be a people that would see God everywhere, every moment, every conversation, every interaction, every situation. Isn't there something about that that you say, that's beautiful to see God in my workplace, in my relationships, in my home life, in my married life, with my kids? Isn't there something that in you, in your heart, in your being that screams out, I want to see God. Because I know what the opposite of that is. And it's polluted, it's contaminated, it's trash, it's filth. It's not pure. It's not God. My heart tonight was to do the best I possibly could to compel you to guard your heart. It's the wellspring of who you are. To protect to fight like crazy 
to make sure that you have a heart that is pure. Because what I long for for you, what I long for for myself, is that I would see God. Have you received the new heart that God is desperate to give you? If not, let your prayer tonight just be, God, I want to receive from you the new heart, a new being, a new core of who I am. And ultimately, that's the prayer that says, God, I trust you. I trust you with my life. The Bible makes clear there's only one way we have a relationship with God, and it's through Jesus. And when we come to Jesus, we receive a new heart and we see God. Let that be your prayer if you have not received a new heart. I'm talking about for the first time. This is the whole idea of being born again, that we'd be born with a new heart that God is desperate to give humanity. If you've received that heart, but you've trashed it out, Would you let your prayer, God, create in me a new heart? Create in me a new heart. And give me the courage to fight like crazy, to guard it and to protect it. That it would be a heart that's pure so that I could see you. So that I could see you. Take a few moments and just sit with the Lord on this. I can't. Say out loud enough, your heart is a big deal because it's who you are. Receive from God what he is so generous to give in a new heart. And if you're sitting here and your descriptor word that I asked you in the beginning was something other than pure. Take what has been damaged, corrupted, polluted, put it in your hands. God, this is what it looks like. Create in me something other than this. Create in me something beautiful, something pure, so that I might see you. Father, I thank you that you are the giver. You are generous God who gives to each of us, who gives to humanity something we do not deserve. A new heart. A shot at having a new being, a new core, an essence of who we are. God, I thank you that you are generous to give to us something we do not deserve. Father, if there is 
one, if not many. God, I pray that you would be the one who would soften hearts in this place tonight so that if there's one who's not received from you the gift of a new heart. God, I just pray that tonight would be the night that they would open wide and receive that from you. And Father, if there's anyone in this place tonight who has trashed out their hearts, given their hearts to others, to things that ultimately has polluted or contaminated. God, I pray those hearts would be brought to you with that prayer. Create. God, take what we have just bended and broken and create. Create something new something beautiful. Create within us a heart that would be pure so that we might see you. Genesis is a ministry of Hope Christian Church. We invite you to find out more by visiting our website at genesisthejourney.com.